you know, while I may not work directly with the artists in the role that I'm in, I'm here to help amplify them through the Orchard brand. I do a lot of events, so we bring people together through our, whether it's in LA or Austin or across the world, we have 45 offices all around the world, that I get to meet so many people, learn about their cultures and bring people together through the love of music. And that's the coolest thing. Let's kick it off with uh, the question that everybody starts with. Who is Sade? Wow. Okay. So hi, everyone. I'm Sade Bowler. Um, I am a first-generation American, uh, born to Jamaican parents. Um, I am now in my 17th year in my music career, well, in my career overall. Um, I've been in and out of the music business, as well as experiential marketing and events for the last 17 years based in New York. Um, I am a mother. I am a wife. I am um, a music lover. And I'm just really blessed to be in the position that I'm in today. It's been like you said, like you said, you do. It's been an ongoing journey for me. Um, and it's one that has been quite intentional and, and, and has been impacted by my upbringing and by the world around me. And so I'm just very happy to be here today because um, we'll get into a little bit later, but my career path, if we talk about nonlinear career paths, I think I definitely have one of those. Um, and so I'm excited to dive in with all of you today and to share a little bit about myself. I currently am the director of brand marketing and, and communications here at The Orchard, which is a global music distribution and artist and label services company. And our motto is empowering creators worldwide. And that is something that I take to heart. And it's something that um, attracted me to my role today because it's I've carried that with me throughout most of my life and the roles that I've that I've um, that I've had throughout my career. Cool. So 17 years. That's (laughs) So right now there's somebody who is 17 years away from being where you are. Yes. Let's go back to that point. So so how did you get into it? How did you get started? So um, I actually grew up with a lot of musical influence in my life. Um, my, like I mentioned earlier, I am first generation American. My grandparents, my parents are all Jamaican. Um, they migrated to Brooklyn, New York, when um, my parents were kids, like separately, not together, obviously, but they grew up and met each other here. And that was through actually my grandparents owned a club. So I grew up in a family uh, that where nightlife was <laughs> was there. Um, I'm the first grandchild, first child in my family. And so I grew up around a lot of um, musical influences. My dad was an executive producer on a show back in the day called Caribbean Billboard. And um it was like a music countdown show that was on, um, I don't remember the channel right now. And I think it was syndicated on BET for like a very short moment. Um, but I was doing that when I was like 12 years old, that doesn't actually count in my 17 years. But, um, I used to come on as like the cool kids club. That was a part of the seg, um, which was a segment of the show and interview Caribbean artists. Um, one of my highlights then was, was, interviewing Buster Rhymes and I was like this 12 year old girl then interviewing Buster Rhymes and used to go to all these reggae shows so again just the Caribbean tied to it and music has just been impactful in my life because growing up um, you know there's a lot of family events like I said my parent my family owned a club and they would run the club 
And I did a lot of theater and acting. I actually didn't play any instruments, but I just felt like the storytelling that you would that you would experience through music was something that grabbed me immediately. And just the way that um, people would come together and congregate through music, right? Whether it was spiritual or secular and non-secular music. And then when, um, you know, I grew up in a period where CDs were just, I say, I'm, I know I'm dating myself, but um, I grew up in a period where, you know, like uh, new releases were a big thing. So I just was impacted by like the the um, excitement of knowing that your favorite artist was going to drop a new music and going to the stores where back then consumption of music was so physical, right? You actually had to take so much action to like be close to the artist in their story. And um, when I, how I got into my official career in music, it actually kicked off with my internship um, at Island Def Jam. So at the time that the two were merged, um, this is back, but I call one of the last golden eras and you know, don't quote, I mean, yeah, you can quote me on that, I guess, because it's a live podcast. But um, what I mean is that um, it was a magical time and how I got that. Well, so again, I grew up Caribbean. So um, education was huge. And I left home at the age of 14 to do like a scholarship program where I tended, like I lived away from my family. And um, I thought I was going to be a doctor, like I was on this path to do like the lawyer, doctor, whatever path. And if that fell through, I was going to get a city job in New York, right? That's what your parents said. They're like, you need to get yourself a pension and like figure it out. They didn't think that music was something, I mean, they came from it, right? But they knew that it was sort of a side job for them or something that they enjoyed doing that we never really thought about what music, what a career in music could look like if you're not an artist or if you're not a label owner. Um, And so I actually was sitting in, um, I went to University of Maryland and I was sitting in my, in the library, I think, listening to music and studying for an organic chemistry test. And I was like, this just is not the path that I, that I chose for myself, really. Like I was along for the ride. I was doing well, but then I was like, this is not, I don't think this is really what I want to do. And I had this epiphany in college where I was just like, what is it? that like, I don't want to be in a lab all day. I like people and the things that make me really happy is like connecting with people through like the relationships that I formed or through these big, you know, events and whatnot. So um, I came to a very hard sobering, you know, I did a lot of internal, um, cert- like I looked inside to be like, okay, what is it that like, that makes me click? And um, I realized that like those answers are at home. So I had left home at 14, went away to school for four years of high school, and then started, you know, I went away to college right after that. And I just was like, I need to go back home. And it was in this journey of going back to my parents' home in Brooklyn, New York, that I started to really think about, okay, what is it that makes me happy? And I started, you know, it was actually, um, it was listening to, which is such a random song, but I was listening to, um, it was, oh my gosh, Fallout Boys, Sugar, We're Going Down. And just the way that song kicked in. And I had like started studying, like, what is music? What is A&R? Like these things. And I was like, I feel like that's the kind of song where someone in the music, in the boardrooms or whatever here, and they're like, okay, that's something that we can get behind. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to be the person in the room that's like helping you hear a song, you're like, this is, I want to get behind it. And I want to get it out to as many people as possible. And so I searched for roles in internships 
for A&R. And I looked at all the big three majors because that's all I really knew at the time. I didn't understand the independent side of the business. And so um, I ended up just cold calling some people because this is again like myspace i grew up on myspace by the way so like i i tell my kids i have two kids also by the way so i tell my kids that it was my generation that invented the internet and we can take it away because my son is now a youtube kid like you know um but yeah so back then it was cold calling it was pouring through websites going through craigslist like the way that you found these opportunities it was, you had to be very um intentional and you had to do your research and so I did apply to the big three, um, made to the big three major labels. Island was, you know, it was Island Def Jam. And the chairman at the time was L.A. Reid. And the president of Def Jam at the time was Jay-Z. So um, that was like goals for me. I did get a call back from them. And I got a call back from Warner to interview. Um, and Def Jam kind of gave me the job on the spot. And I say this, like, not to be like, oh, OK, it was just super simple. And I just got in. But like. The fact that I, the hardest part was getting in the door for the interview. And I just knew I had to knock the interview out of the park. Um, and I met with um, the A&R department. And when I got inside, I just realized like, okay, I didn't know what to expect because I'd never been inside of a major label biz, um, building before. But when I got there, I just knew that you have to kind of, you have to walk the walk, right? You have to talk the talk. You kind of have to act like you belong there. Um, and I just knew at that time, like whatever, like there was no job too big or small for me. It was just being in the in the building, being in the room at the time that I was allowed to. And that really mattered to me. And I knew that every every single moment that I had that opportunity um, is something that I had to like shine and go above and beyond for because you know, it, it was just, again, it was just such a magical time in music. Like I remember the first days walking through the halls, there was just music blasting all the time. And the first song that they kept playing on repeat was Rihanna's Umbrella. And that's a major hit today. And uh, I mean, it was a hit then, but it was just also like, you know, it's, it's Rihanna, um, but like, she was not, I don't even know, she may have just been signed or they were thinking about signing her. And um, while the majors are, it's interesting to see how artists come through that system, obviously like being in the building, I got to, I got to see the trajectory of an artist and how um, I actually worked. My internship was in the, um, was to, I was supporting uh, one of the lead A&Rs in music scouting. So I was just pouring again through MySpace and I had a blog and I was looking at other blogs and that just the technology at the time, it was like, you know, it was, you had to be very active to find what you wanted. It wasn't a lot of passive discovery, um, but I did find that in a and I was able to meet people. I got to understand just certain parts of the business and how the A&R department sat um, and where it sat and how it interacted with all the other cross-functionally with all the parts of the, of the industry and like within the business itself. Um, and so when I did that for, I was probably an intern for two and a half years because I actually got my internship first and then decided what school I was going to go to after, like I, I did transfer from university of Maryland because I came back to New York and um, I found the internship first. And then I decided what school I was go to that was going to get me to the building fat you know the quickest like what was going to be in close proximity to this building that I had to be in and um so the point where they were like okay you've been interning like almost at full-time hours you need to like you need to do other things um 
But uh, yeah, so that's how I started in the business. And then um, I don't know, do you want me to stop there and we keep going or do you have anything to add or ask? I mean, that's <laughs> wow. Your first job was at Def Jam. That's, you yeah. know, it's funny. I had Drew on from Digilog, which is yep. how we connected. Uh, he was the last person I interviewed. And I think he started at Def Jam, if I'm not mistaken. Like he started managing a friend, but I think Def Jam was his first gig. So that's ironic that like that's that ties there and Def Jam was goals that era of Def Jam yeah. especially where they were on a run they were they were coming off of a of a super run with the Murder Inc Rockefeller Absolutely. Rough Riders and yeah. then you know Jay-Z getting that position and Rihanna Kanye kind of yeah. blowing up so and that's the thing I loved about because the when they not merged, I don't know if that's the correct word, but when Island Def Jam came together as like a solid partnership, what I loved about it too was the fact that it was such a diverse sound, right? Like there, there were, but it was a, you know, you're a major label. So you had all these artists who were in the hip hop and R&B space. And I would see people coming in and out all the time. And it was really cool, but it was also like the, like the, 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 um, the subsidiary label. So that's where I started to learn what independence was or what it meant. Um, and I don't think anyone, I still don't really know what it means, but I know what I witnessed. <laughs> um, but cause it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of subjective to every person, mm-hmm. but what I took from that was just seeing the different tiers or those, the levels of service that you receive when you're at a certain level in your career as an artist or um, how it kind of feeds into the system. And so um, I did a and for a while. And then I also went into artists and artists and media relations. Mm. And that was helpful because, and I saw how, you know, on the a side, I got to see how deals were being brought in. You got to listen to the music. You got to hear the feedback or how a song became a demo to actually, um, you know, mix and mastered. And then going into the artists and media side, I got to, you know, see the process of actually giving the project's life and like getting it out there to the world. And that was also pretty cool because again, at the time it was, I remember as an intern, I was like cutting out the, the um, clippings in the newspapers about all the different artists. And, you know, you're, you're pouring through the blogs and you're using, you're using Cision Bacon, you know, like, so it's all these things that we're, that have um, over 17 years and being back in music now, which I'll get into a second about my career path, but um, it was just really interesting to see how, um, the trajectory of technology or how some of the core marketing or the core pieces of the industry are just evolving with technology or with the sound or where, you know, it's always about meeting the audience where they are. So that's been a real, that's one of the fast, most fascinating things to me, especially as a marketer in the business. So when you're interning and, and you switch schools, what what did you switch from? Because you went from like, I'm going to be a doctor or lawyer, engineer, basically every immigrant child's goals to what What, what did you switch to? I actually got, um, I enrolled at the Fashion Institute of Technology in the um, business school. So I did advertising and marketing communications. And that's where it gave me the fundamentals of marketing. So I learned about the four P's. I was able, you're very active um, in building campaigns and working with different designers. So while there's, you know, it's FIT's fashion focus, but um, I actually helped with getting more students who were in the marketing or the business track just to get them. I, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're at Def Jam. Like, how'd you get that? So like being able to say like, okay, we don't have to just 
marketing isn't, you don't have to focus just on fashion here, but you need to learn the fundamentals of marketing so you can apply that as applicable to other industries and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, and that was a great, I think also at the time that I transferred, I was in a much better place where I felt like I was on a path that felt right for me. And so school again, became a breeze. I was like, all right, like I was fascinated in what I was learning. Not, I love science and I still to this day do, um, but to make a living in it and to like live, breathe and eat it every day. Um, I just loved the idea that, you know, music was ever changing and there's so many different things that you could do in it. And so learning marketing was kind of the, what got me there. And then I also graduated high um, college at a time, you know, at the, um, the great recession was happening. So it was really hard to find any jobs <laughs> at that time. And so I, that's why I ended up staying on my internship early, like for a pretty long time. And I also think that people in the building forgot that I was an intern and that's because again, I was there all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was going, you know, it was taking what I learned in school and kind of knowing like, all right, well, I'm interested in this. I don't know exactly what I wanted to do in the business, but it helped me with figuring out what the hard or some of the skills that I needed to learn were. Um, and that, you know, I was just trying to think ahead. I, obviously, I couldn't tell what the future looks like, but I knew that if music didn't pan out, I needed something that I could fall back on. And that's why, like, to me, like marketing communications, you need that across any industry. And that's why I fell into that. Hmm. So you, you touched on it a little bit, but do you feel like you needed a degree to be successful in your then internship and even now your current role and position? Do you think like oh. it gave you what you needed to to give you a leg up or? So I wouldn't say the degree actually is necessary. Um, I think that what school offered me was more guide, like it gave me a framework to stay within, right? There was, and it held me accountable to the assignments and it challenged me and all of that. So it, it that's what I really love about school in general um, or education. But, you know, I think I'm just, I love learning about different people and cultures and being immersed in different, what, how things became, how they are. So I would say education is necessary, not so much the degree piece of it. And I hope my kids don't watch this or play this back to me one day and say that because I do think that it is important to get a degree because there are certain jobs or it helps you, it helps open certain doors or opportunities to you that, you know, people who may not have a degree are afforded. Um, it may make, you know, but again, it's not necessary. So if you don't have a degree, I think it's, you know, you your work. I'm even seeing on some um, job descriptions, they're asking for either a degree or the work experience Um equivalence. And so I think it's just having the experience, having the wherewithal, being able to speak to what you do or what's going on in the industry, like the current state of it, being able to speak to those things come from just being aware and educated on the topics. Gotcha. And was the internship paid or unpaid? Oh, good question. So um, again, this is also quite... <laughs> quite some time ago. Um, it was unpaid, but again, I just, I was able to do that because I was living at home with my parents at the time. Um, I had scholarship from FIT. So a lot of my expenses were covered. Like I was actually, because they couldn't pay me, um, they gave me a stipend to get for travel. Right. But, um, 
I also got free lunch or I got to go to shows or things like that. So the things that I probably would have been spending my money on, I felt like they they covered it in some ways, but it was not a paid internship. I know there's a whole debate on that as well. Um, I think if you can afford it and if you're if it's something you really want to do, I would not advise like companies should do a better job of making sure that there's compensation for the work that people are putting in or just, you know, if it's an internship where you're teaching and whatnot, like covered cover those costs right um but i do say to the interns or the prospects like don't turn down an opportunity if you really want it just because of the money because there's just a wealth of knowledge and there's a wealth of experience that you're going to get from it also the networking and all of those things were very crucial for me that was important for me and in hindsight i didn't there wasn't a conversation around paid internships at my time. I know now there are, so a lot of companies are better at it. Um, but I wouldn't have traded my experience for the world. You know, I, I think that it was, I got so much out of it because I decided to make it valuable for me. And I found the things that, you know, were impactful. And I also felt like if I needed something, I had my supervisors or the recruiting team was extremely supportive that they even would find ways to help me supplement. They, you know, like if I, they, they recommended that I go through their temp agency so that if some, like if an assistant was out or whatever, I would cover phones for them and get paid for that through that. Um, so there were, there's some workarounds for sure, at least back in the day when I was there, um, and maybe there are today as well, because as we talk about independent companies and, you know, they don't have the cash flow like some other places would. But, you know, I would again, I, I don't advise that you turn down like you look at the money first and turn down opportunities because they're not able to meet your um, your goals or your needs in that in that regard. I agree. My first gig was an internship for a year. That was a life-changing year. I learned more about the business of music. I made more connections. And I think there was a freeness to it, like just kind of Absolutely. like just being super valuable, overly Absolutely. valuable um, was really good. And I wouldn't trade that year for anything. It was hard, right. but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Right. And like the people that are walking the building don't know if you're paid or not. Like they, mm -hmm. they're like, they're like, we just need you to do a good job. You're here. Yeah. You, they expect you to do what you're here to do. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, I, I know I see that a lot on Twitter and I'm like, OK, I, I also stay pretty quiet on Twitter. I, I take in a lot of the information because as a marketer, I'm like, OK, what's going on? I like to be in the know. Um, but yeah, I like to be, you know, I'm, I'm fairly extroverted and I talk to my team about this, too, but I like to be around a crowd of people. But I don't like I don't like the crowd to be because of me. Like, I don't mm -hmm. like I don't like being the center of attention, but I do like to be in the mix, you know. That's perfect for your role. So, yeah. <laughs> so now two and a half years internship, what do you do next? So again, I graduated in the recession. So there were, I tried to stay as long as I could and even get um, a role within the building, but that's where the money thing came into play for me. Actually, it was more like when I graduated, um, I knew what the value that I could bring to certain roles in the building, but um Again, I was like living at home with my parents and I was like, I need to like figure this out. And the the recession was scaring me a little bit. So also while I was interning at Def Jam, I did have a second job where um, I was a receptionist at a company that was an experiential marketing agency. So we ran a lot of events and produced events for um, some spirits companies like 
if I'm allowed to say them, um, Jim Beam Global, Solutionaya, et cetera. Um, and so Mirabal is the name of the company. They were one of the first experiential marketing agencies in New York City centered around nightlife and influencer culture. And um, I was the office manager doing that while interning at Def Jam. And after college, when I graduated, they actually offered me a role. So um, I was already um, like I was the office manager. And then when I graduated, I became a junior event producer, which is really cool because I got to help manage guest lists for key events. I got to help brainstorm themes of different events. I got to, you know, sh- bring my friends into all these really cool things that are happening around the city. Um, and music was still a part of that because again, music and events go hand in hand, but I had to give up my role at Def Jam. And, um, I, yeah, I just remember, you know, it, I was sad about it, but at the same time I was like, okay, like I did this. I have like, I, I, I put all of the things that I was responsible for. And I just kept in touch with the people there because the networking piece was so important. Um, and then I, I jumped in, I dived right into my actual role um, at the agency. And I did that for about two years and then I got laid off. Like that was the first job where I ever got laid off from. And it was my first real job. And it was because of, you know, like it was a time where, and this happens, I think it's pretty cyclical, honestly, but I noticed that a lot of times um, companies will look at either hiring marketing agencies to support them or they, and then they'll decide, you know what, we can take this in-house. And that's usually what happens And it. It depends on what the cash flow looks like and all that. And so our clients, a lot of them were starting to say, we actually are going to start shrinking. It doesn't look good for us to throw all these events in a recession and all that, which, you know, and then, so unfortunately I got cut. Um, and it took me a while to find a job after that. Like I, you know, I graduated, I had a degree, I had great experience, I had great contacts, and so many people were trying to help me find a job, but it just wasn't, you know, I had, I was getting interviews, but I was getting rejections. And, um, and that I think, you know, we talked about me getting my first internship at Island Def Jam. I was like, okay, that's where the other shoe is dropping now. Um, and then, cause a lot of places were like, we don't get it. You did this here and then you're doing this here. So what is it that you actually want to do? And I even looked at fashion. Cause I was like, I went to FIT. Um, I tried everything and it was just so hard at the time because, unemployment was rising and people were just like, oh, we want someone more experienced or you're overqualified or whatever it was. And so I decided to go back to Maryland. Um, So I was in your neck of the woods, you do. Um, And I just stayed kind of in the event production side of things and working for nonprofits and, um, you know, social media was starting to evolve where companies were starting to now do, um, to now build their brands or their brand presence online digitally. So I helped with like, you know, I, I, I again, I invented the internet. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like building profiles for my clients or my, my boss and my, my, um, my companies online. So making sure they had presence on Facebook and, Twitter was just forming at the time. So just being active and how to integrate social media into your, your marketing strategy, your corporate marketing strategy. So I did that for a while. Um, and then I don't know, again, that itch for getting back into music was calling me. So I did that for about a year and a half in Maryland. And, um, I don't know, I started reaching out to friends that I had interned with at Def Jam and, you know, started to be like, okay, do you know anything? Like it's two years past, like I'm trying to get back into music. And one of my friends at the time, she was 
an assistant and was like, would you be interested in doing something like this? And I was like, I'm sure. Why not? And I gave her my resume and I'm sitting on the couch one day and I get a phone call from someone. And I was like, I knew my resume was being put out there, but I had no idea who from, and I get a phone call. And as soon as I pick up the phone, I immediately knew the voice. And that was my then boss, um, who many people may know as Q-Tip from A Tribe Called Quest. And so imagine that I'm literally just like, I don't even know. I, I There's a longer story that I'll tell you offline about this, but um, the edited version is that um, I was, yeah, sitting on the couch, getting ready to go to another interview and Kamal or Q-Tip calls me and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like how sorry, my love to curse, sorry. Um, but couldn't believe it. And so I was like, I'm sorry. Like I wasn't prepared to speak to him. So I was like, I have bad connection. Can I call you right back? Because I was hyperventilating at the time. And I had to text my friend and be like, yo, where did my resume go? She was like, no, it's legit. Like take the call. So I called him back and he was like, Hey, would you be, are you still interested? I see I have your resume here. And I was like, Yes. And there was no thinking about it. I was in Maryland, but he was like, can you come to New York tomorrow to interview with me? And I was like, absolutely. Um, So I took the time. I went to New York. Um, I met with him at a boxing gym. And I remember one of the first things he said to me was, I'm not hiring you to be my friend. And I said, good, because that was to me, it was like, all right, we're here to do business. I want to be your assistant. I don't want to be, you know, like, I don't, I, again, just, I want to do my job and I want to also have my life. So I was able to compartmentalize a little bit, but it was the most amazing experience of my life. And I assume our next question will go into that, but I'll let, I'll let us seg in here. <laughs> um, yep. Like what a life. Your first gig is with Def Jam. You, you navigate after that. You're, you're applying these skills. You're back in, in a DMV, Maryland. And then you get a call from Q-Tip and you're now Q-Tip's assistant. So now you got to like, yeah. what is that like? What is being an assistant to a legend, a superstar like? Um, it's legendary. And I mean, I look back at it now and I'm like, I wish that I like understood at the time what that meant. Like, I mean, I knew who he was and I understood that he was super impactful, especially to hip hop and in, in the New York area um, and all over the world. Right. But what I was doing at the time was just my job in servicing. Like I was there to really just support whatever he needed and to make sure that um, I didn't get in the way. Right. Like I just wanted to, I like to observe a lot because again, at the time that he was working and I did sign an NDA with him a long time ago. So there's NDA clauses and all these things that you have to go through. I was working out of his home. I was and the job wasn't super glamorous. I was walking his dog. I was like cleaning up the studio. I was, um, you know, I was playing hostess, but he also did a lot of events and would go to shows and whatnot. So I would always make sure that any financial obligation that he had, he would show up for it on time um, and that he knew what it was or like he gets a lot of requests. So I was fielding that. I was helping write his press releases. I was helping to build the guest list for his parties making sure like it was a lot of logistical things, but we also had a lot of fun. Like there were many quiet days where we were just like chilling at the studio or in the house and he'd like play. I got to witness the genius in person. Like he would just demo music or he'd have people come over and there'd be jam sessions in the house. Um, and yeah, so his puppy Fela, who actually just passed away. So RIP to Fela, that was my companion. Um, 
because it was just life. Like, you know, but I wasn't trying to be all up in the like, oh, okay, like you should sign this artist or do that. Like, it wasn't like a, I didn't have to really impress him or try to think about my own goals. I was really just there to support his. And um, I ended up leaving Tip actually. So I was the one who stopped working for him because um, after a while, like I was just a woman of a certain age at this point. It was after I graduated from college at this point, I had a couple of jobs and being an assistant is great, but it's not super sustainable financially. And I just had other life goals. Like I was dating my now husband. Um, We were just starting to date at the time. And I knew that I had a, like, I was also thinking about going, um, I don't know. I just, I was in another stage of my life where I was like, I love doing what I do and supporting Q-tip, but I felt like, again, it wasn't my path. And um, I took a hike, like I left the music business again. So I was working for Tip for two years and decided, you know, I had a hard conversation with him and he was like, well, I'll help. Like, I want to continue to work with you. Like, do you need more money? Do you need me to like look at other, um, like try to get you some interviews, some places, like I'll help you. And I was like, I absolutely appreciate that. And so we did try it for a little bit, but then I ended up moving to Connecticut, which is where I am now. Um, started my family, got another job, um, in marketing events. I completely left music at that point because, um, you know, I just felt like it was, it's very hard. Like it was very hard at the time. And some people may say it's still very hard to make money in music. There's very limited spots for salary jobs. Um, and then I, you know, I, I didn't have benefits at the time. So it was just very expensive to, to chase this dream after a while. And so I decided, okay, well, you know, you have this experience, you have the education, I think it's time to try something new. Um, and so I went, to after leaving tip, I went to a company that organizes trade shows all over the world. Um, so I kind of married the marketing and the, and the events again. And I was now like helping to strategize and launch these brands and help businesses meet and come together at these events so that they knew the, they were basically forming the future of their respective industries. And I did that for eight years until COVID hit. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you, you, have the dream job from a, oh my God, I can't believe this is my life. But I'm glad you spoke to the realities of it, which is like you said, no benefits, not the best pay. You know, if you're trying to move on and, and like now settle down and, and have a family, it's a little tough when you don't have a nine to five Monday to Friday, you have a, when I'm needed, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, Could you imagine my maternity leave if I was an assistant? <laughs> And I mean, yes. there's so many people out there that are faced with that now, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we have to make some really hard and difficult decisions sometimes. And the thing is, though, I never, I was, I realized like when I, when you have time in the industry or like over the course of your career, you have moments that you can look back on and you also get sort of a bird's eye view of where you sit. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, I, I need, I need to figure this out a little bit like everyone has their own time. But for me, the time was then to like step, step outside of it. And I needed to start, I, instead of moving laterally, I needed to get to a point where I needed to progress mm -hmm. and then make bigger moves eventually if I needed to. So again, very intentional because again, as immigrant, I didn't grow up with money, like 
we had, there were moments where I'm like, oh, I never felt poor whatsoever or didn't live in poverty, but I didn't have money to support a lifestyle that could afford me to live in New York. And I will say this, I feel like a lot of times, especially in the entertainment business, because um, the people are usually the biggest, like the biggest um, insight into like the um, what's being sold or whatever, like you see the people and how they look cool and what they're dressing and where they're going. And social media has like spread, has shed so much light on that. That to me, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. There's a lot of people that are renting things and can't afford stuff or, you know, and so I knew that I didn't want to be in that position, that I needed to make my own money and that if anything happened, I've been laid off from a job already. And I knew that like, you know, it could change in the blink of an eye. Like Mm -hmm. when I was interning, I forgot to mention this. I was digitizing the content closet. I took Mm. these like eight tracks and like CDs and stuff. And I had to get them onto the computer because streaming was becoming a thing. Everything Mm -hmm. was, everyone was like, yo, like what the hell is, you know, we had LimeWire and all that. And I was Mm -hmm. definitely making some mixed. Actually, I don't say that. Take that (laughs) off. (laughs) Edit that out. (laughs) Um, But you know (laughs) what I mean? Like I was, I bought, I bought a lot of music back then, mm-hmm. but then, you know, I was like browsing and seeing what was happening on the internet and <laughs> sharing some mixtapes and making my playlist on MySpace and whatnot. But fast forward like a few years and like no one has anything physical anymore. Although the resurgence of physical is actually really cool. I love, I'm collecting vinyl again. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, but yeah, what I learned a lot of it was like, you got to stay ready. So you don't have mm-hmm. to get ready. And um, I needed like, I got to a point and it was really COVID that allowed this for me because so many bit like everyone had to pause, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone's eyes and attention was on the, the same thing. Like there was such a disruption in entertainment, especially where we were all now like clamoring to see like, okay, what's happening. Like even the virtual things that came up, I thought versus was amazing. Like mm-hmm. that used to that, like creating these moments again, where we could all come together and like mm-hmm. watch something and talk about it the next day, the water cooler conversations. Right. Um, what COVID did for me was say, like, it made me realize one, that companies are privy now to the fact that their employees need flexibility. And then two, like, you know, there's no better time than now. Mm-hmm. And so I started my now boss. I actually interned with her. At, so it's a full circle moment for me. I started at the orchard two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because I was looking around. I was like, you know, I was dabbling in artist management. Um, I was I've done I've done quite a bit to still be close to music, but nothing like official where I was getting a steady paycheck. And so I was looking at transitioning from what I was doing at my last employer to now getting back into music. And again, I was at a point where I was like, I'm not moving. I can move laterally now because I had progressed in my career elsewhere, but I wasn't starting from scratch anymore. I couldn't afford to do that at that point. I have a family now. I have responsibilities. Um, I like shoes. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I just remember reaching out to my now boss and being like, Hey, like I'm interested in the orchard. And she again, interned with me. She was, she graduated a year before I did and um, was at Island Def Jam as uh, as a GM of one of the imprint labels. And we had remained friendly. Like I was helping her when she did her, um, when she started her own business, like her own agency afterwards for a little while. And so we had this connection still. And when 
I saw that she was at the orchard. She put in a good word for me. I got a, I got a couple of interviews and I didn't get the first two things I interviewed for here at the orchard. It was actually kind of, you know, I, I was ready to give up at that point. I was like, oh my God, I don't think I'm, I'm cut out for this. Like I've been out of the business too long you know, whatever. But then I read, I reread my, my resume back to myself. Keep it. I, this is unsolicited advice, which I love to give sometimes, but I would say anyone that's watching this, what has helped me personally to keep that motivation or to keep the imposter syndrome at bay is that I keep a file of like, really like whenever someone has said something that like I've gone above and beyond on, or if I get really great recommendations or, big projects or reviews or anything like that. I keep them in a file and I revisit them. And I also reread my resume every now and then because I'm like, is this presenting everything that I actually bring value to? And I do that quite often. Like, and I also say, keep your resume updated very often because you never know, even if you have a job, just keep it updated often. If you work on a cool project, just notch it down. Like keep a file where you just have these um, where you have like these cool things that you can look back on and say, I did that. And eventually, like I, I built up my confidence again, because I was like, you know what, if anyone, if I can rely on anyone, it's going to be me. And so I, it was actually a role that opened up on my now boss's team where she was like, Hey, I know you didn't get this one, but this is on my team. Are you interested in it? And I still had to interview for it. And I still had to meet her expectations. Um, and I got the job and now here I am. So, yeah, I love it. So and and that's full circle in a lot of ways. And, and I see this a lot in the industry of someone you interned with at the beginning of your career who knows your character, knows your work ethic, knows your value. You kept a relationship with them. That's a really important part. And then they help you at least get reacclimated, but it still required you kind of checking in with yourself, which I think is also important in saying like, do I still have this? Am I still cut out for this? Am I still that person? I love that tip of of keeping a list of recommendations and shout outs and, and testimonies because we're rebuilding our website now and I had to go get testimonies because I realized I'd never done that before. And it was awkward asking people that I'd done stuff with years ago to be like, hey, like, how did I impact your career? But like, I realized like when they were saying it in a moment, I should have gotten mm -hmm. it then when it was fresh and I've worked with many people, but never did it. So I hope somebody does take that advice, especially no matter where you are in your career. Like when you do something cool, jot it down. If you support an event, if you helped out, if you did something that stretched you and you're not used to like keep that track, because when you're going for these new jobs, you may not even think like, oh, if I had that, like it makes Absolutely. me know it shows that I can do this thing that they mm -hmm. may question. That's really and sometimes good. you forget, right? Like, because life moves so fast. Like I can't even believe it's already March and South by Southwest is next week. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like life moves so fast and a lot of us, um, I mean, whoever, I'm not sure of who's tuning in, but wherever you are in your career, what stage of your life you're in, you know, the responsibilities add up. And so sometimes the reprioritization is important and whatnot. So, you know, I think that if, I, I like working under pressure and I know that we all do sometimes or not. We all, but some people do like to work under pressure, wait till the last minute. But you, like you said, I think it is, it's something I've had to remind myself as well. It's just like, get it done now, just get mm -hmm. it done. Yeah. You know, sometimes we just think about like, am I going to, is everyone going to react to it the right way? Or am I going to meet the goal? Or, 
sometimes it's just like you're in your own head that you just need to get started on certain things. And that's what I've learned and had to constantly remind myself in my career. Um, and, you know, I have so many responsibilities outside of the music business. So it was um, with my family and my kids and my husband have a joke where they're like, oh, mom's busy because she works in music, you know, and <laughs> which is but I'm like, I was busy outside of music, too. It's just like I really do enjoy working. Um, I enjoy making my own money. I enjoy having um, responsibilities where it's like I'm making an impact in a business or like that people are touching and I get to help tell their stories. And especially when it comes to the artist side of things, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I do what I do today in the capacity that I can do it um, to support artists at the end of the day and the creators. So, um, you know, while I may not work directly with the artists in the role that I'm in, I'm here to help amplify them through the orchard brand. Um, I do a lot of events. So we bring people together through, um, our, whether it's in LA or Austin or across the world, we have 45 offices all around the world that I get to meet so many people, learn about their cultures and bring people together through the love of music. And that's the coolest thing. Oh man. Well, I know we got a wrap. So I think the last question I'll ask, and this is not the last time we'll do this because I feel like we've like scratched the surface yeah. of your <laughs> multi-layered life I'm this like you could probably just do a whole podcast on your def jam years or on your oh in between yeah. years <laughs> but i'll i'll end with this if you could go back and give advice to 17 year old Shade, so 17 years ago you you can bump your, into yourself in the street and say i got some advice for you unsolicited as you said um what advice would you give to to that person um don't ever be afraid to bet on yourself um be confident and to self-advocate for yourself and, um, you know, have fun while doing it. I think that's the piece that even I told myself today is that you should have fun doing it. Don't feel bad about that. Um, but yeah, 17 year old me, I'd just say like, you know, keep your eye on the prize. It's hard. It's sometimes unglamorous, but you're on the right track. Like if, especially if you're listening to this today, like I wish I had these, resources back then because it probably would have made I'm, I'm hopeful that it would have made my like journey a lot more I would have had just different answers or more insight into knowing that the choices that I was making were right um so I think the more education if you want to be in this business you got to learn it um and that if I can recommend a book I mean Don Passman I think it's very everyone talks about that um, I actually met him once and he and I geeked out because I didn't even tell him I read the book and I just saw his name and I was like, oh, my gosh, this man changed my life because it helped me be able to come up to conversations already knowing or when you, there's a lot of bad takes on the Internet from people who don't really have insight into how it works. So the more that you educate yourself um, and learn about the business you want to be in, the better off you are. Oof, I love that answer. Yes, I agree. Uh, you followed your inner voice, and I think that's kind of like the thread for you when you write your book. It's your, somewhere in there you should put like interview. Your inner voice is super strong because you listen, you follow, and you've landed, and you're not done. You're you know you're still you're still starring in this movie. So I'm excited to stay connected. I'm here to support however I can. We're gonna do a lot of cool things together. Um, but I appreciate your time. I appreciate your story. I know it's going to impact our listeners because there are a lot of them who 
again, when we say music business, we think artists and producers, but there's a beauty to the people who are behind the scenes who without them, none of this happens. So thank you again for your time. Thank you, you do. And this is an amazing platform. And so to everyone out there listening, I wish you all the best. And um, if we if you want to connect with me, I'm sure it'll be all over here. It'll later, be all over. Um, but you do. Thank you so much. Again, you have such a great history as well and all the stories that you have. So I'm excited to dive into more of those. And I'll catch you all next time. Thank you so much. See you in Austin. See you in Austin. All Bye. Right. Bye.